Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Media Vote Podcast. Hi. Today is April the 28th, 2021. This is episode 277, 277, Sunset Strip of the Media Vote Podcast. If you don't know that reference, you're under 30. If you do know <laughs> you're listening to the Media Vote Podcast, then you don't need to listen to the next part. If you don't know you're listening to the Media Vote Podcast and you're like, what the hell is this? The Media Vote Podcast is a podcast that gives you news and thoughts about movies, television, video games, and music. Not necessarily in that order. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. I'm Mike. He's Matt. Media Vote Podcast. Last Sunday, we had quite a doozy of the Oscars. <laughs> and if you listen to us, you may have been wrong on some of those. <laughs> <laughs> We'll get there, but yes, our annual apology fest begins uh, as we will have to apologize for the the, the poor uh, judgment we took into Oscar night. But we weren't the only ones. I just want to make that clear. Yes. Um, but before we do that, let's start the podcast off like we always do, is talking about movies, but specifically talking about the weekend box office numbers. People are still going back to the movies. Yes, slowly but surely. But hey, there was something to see in theaters this week. Brand new as your number one is a debut this week. Warner's Mortal Kombat debuted at $23 million. You can also see that on HBO Max. And we will also be talking about that in the thoughts a little bit. Well, at least uh, you will, because I did not have time to watch it. I thought okay. I was going to. I could not carve out time to, to, to watch that thing uh, this week. I will try to do it within before next week. Anyway, number two, Demon Slayer, the movie, colon, Mugen Train, was your number two. Yeah, uh, anime, as you probably guessed. $21 million debut for that one. Does that title sound familiar? Uh, Kind of, because I listened to a couple podcasts. I feel like they've mentioned this before. Yes, including the our very own Media Boat podcast. Okay. Remember back in January when the highest anime oh, right. was broken? That's what this was. That's what this was. this was. That's what this was. The English translation sub. Right. Dub? Dub. Dub. Yeah, sub so subtitles. Waiting, yeah. waiting for Demon Slayer to come here. Here, here it is. Yep. Coming in at number three, Godzilla vs. Kong still hanging around with another $4.2 million. That's at $86 million domestic so far. Number four, Nobody is at $1.7 million. That's at $21.5 million domestic. And rounding out your top five, Disney hanging on with Raya and the Last Dragon. $1.7 million. That's sitting at a modest $39 million total. But They can't be happy with that. But, but then again... We don't know how it's doing on Disney Plus Premium. Yeah. It could be doing amazing numbers and we won't ever know. Uh, the test, the next test will be is when it releases in a physical form on DVD and Blu-ray. If that sells gangbusters, then we'll know that it probably was a home success. Right, for everyone who doesn't have access to it on Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, moving off from box office into new releases we do have a couple of uh well new-ish films i say new-ish because one is new and the other is 10 years old 
Uh, it's got a new soundtrack or a new Man. sound to it. They remixed it. Come on, let's be real. Okay. Your new movie this week is Separation. You know what this is? Horror film. Ah, if you like your horror at the end of April, here's your chance. And then also in theaters and limited engagements in specific theaters, Scott Pilgrim versus the World gets re-released in a 10th anniversary Dolby Atmos version. So if you want to see it with improved sound in a cool um, theater environment and you're fully vaccinated and maybe willing to take a little bit of a risk, uh, yeah, I guess this is there for you. I wish this had come out at any other time. I believe because it is Dolby Atmos, it is an AMC-only event. So very limited, but hey, one of our favorite films. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's there if you want to take the risk. But speaking of taking risks, we took a lot of risks last week when we talked about our Oscar predictions, Ooh. especially you. So I've done the math since the last time we talked. I myself got 16 out of 23. Combined, we also got 16 out of 23. And you're probably thinking, how is that possible? Because every time you did something different than me, we managed to cancel each other out in other categories. Right. So somehow I ended up being 16, no matter where, what, how you uh, how you slice it. I think you did worse than me by yourself, though. God, no, I Just like did last worse. year. So basically a repeat of last year, except for one exception, friend of the show, Christy, did not somehow beat us like she did last year. She did way worse. <laughs> <laughs> so her patented i'm gonna guess based on the name of the movies thing did not work as well this year turns out no but, but you i mean you have just as much success throwing this at a dartboard <laughs> than you would listening to pretty much any other expert try and pick this because yeah. hey we went over data points last week about several prominent predictions uh from existing reputable sources and they were also largely wrong about the night um though they weren't wrong about everything so here are the basic the big headlines that you need to know about winners and losers first up your best picture went to nomad land which was predicted uh that was not the surprise although the surprise was best picture was not saved for last but we'll get there later next up well We'll get there sooner than yeah, the Academy did. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Nomadland's director, Chloe Zhao, also picked up the director prize. She will be the second female director to win uh, and the first Asian female to win. In that uh, second one in 12 years. Last Correct. one was Catherine Bigelow for yes. The Hurt Locker. So yeah. I guess uh, the only other one. Correct. Yes. The only other one. That's why I said she's only the second. Mm-hmm. Best Actress went to Frances McDormand for her performance in Nomad at Nomadland as well. Called it. That was easy one. Yeah, well, for you. <laughs> the actor um, one, however, wasn't. Yeah, the actor one, however, shocked everyone as they waited for the very, very, very end of the night to announce Best Actor. And it went to not the late Chadwick Boseman, as we had predicted, as well as virtually everyone else who was running stories about this. No, instead, it went to Anthony Hopkins for his role in The Father. He was not even there to accept. The show had to accept the award for them, for him, and then abruptly ended after Questlove said some stuff about music. So Olivia <laughs> Coleman was supposed to accept the award? 
Mm. However, because it was at the end of the night and they were running late or over their time, they immediately said, Anthony Hopkins, that's our show. Good yeah. night. It was an awkward end. Uh, I saw some people on Twitter comparing it to uh, that moment when you're at the last call at the bar and the lights go out. That's how it kind of felt. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, traditionally they keep Best Picture for last because it's the big moment. It's supposed to be the biggest award. Plus, you get an entire crowd of people on the stage to say goodbye so you can roll credits on everybody hugging and being happy. Without that, you don't have any of that. And it just kind of deflated like a balloon. It was weird. I mean, it got super deflated when Chadwick Boseman didn't win. Right. Also, yes. everyone without, wait, what happened? Kind of look on their face. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's going to be remembered similarly to the La La Land, No Wait, Moonlight thing, I think, where people are going to look back as like, man, remember how weird that was when we all thought it was going to go this way and it didn't. At the very least, it gives them credit that they, even they don't know who wins. That's true. Because the show obviously had changed the structure because they wanted to honor Chadwick at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It was weird, but we'll get to more of the production after we finish these headlines here. Because yes. I do have some thoughts about this year's whole thing. Um, right. But before we get there, your other big winners. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom won both makeup and costume. Mank won for the Production Design Award and for Cinematography, which is a surprise to me. Uh, I saw film Twitter kind of complaining after the show, talking about how it's basically just shot in digital with a film drain placed on top of it yeah and so a lot of the sticklers about film production were very upset about Mank winning well we had that last year with editing and people were complaining about a talking scene being (laughs) 40 edits in two minutes yeah winning editing turns out that some of the people vote i don't know what i don't want to surprise anybody some of the people voting here do not know what editing or cinematography should look like. <laughs> also, most of the people voting, old. Yeah, Which also. Typically why you see a lot of old films, films dedicated to stuff of the past, World mm-hmm. War II stuff, right. get the nominations more so than contemporary art pieces. That Which is why Bill Redland winning was a success. Right, right. Which means it's a little different in a year where everything else was mostly the same. But there were some uh, highlights of the night. One of them was Daniel Kaluuya winning supporting actor for his, uh, for his role in Judas and the Black Messiah, which right. we had largely called. And then thanking called. his parents for their roles in yes. con- consummating it. <laughs> With his mother on screen, a uh, little caught off guard by that. <laughs> <laughs> um, also in the supporting actress uh, uh, category, Yu Yoon Jung, uh, one for her role in um, Minari, the Minari's one sole win of the night, but still the one everybody thought that, that it was going to take. So, and just the most charming uh, accepted speech too. Yeah. Best song ended up being a boon for me. Out of nowhere, I called that correct. It ended up being the Her song from Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, so yeah, all of those Netflix stands looking for uh, uh, the uh, Eurovision song were very disappointed by that one i mean i could have told you it wasn't going to be eurovision oh wait (laughs) i did say it wasn't going to be eurovision yeah although i think i did go for the um trial the chicago seven song yeah 
which is also Netflix, I guess. So, yeah. you were close. You were close. Um, the writing categories were a split, as one predicted winner did win and the other did not. Um, your original screenplay did go to Emerald Fennel, as predicted for Promising Young Woman, but Adapted ended up going to the father in a big upset for against Nomadland. See, I picked the upset in the best supporting actress here for the father. Mm-hmm. Should have gone for yeah, uh, the writing. For writing. So that means I at least got one of the writing categories this, this year right, but the other one very wrong. And then sound and editing both went to Sound of Metal. The two reasons probably you saw that movie nominated for Best Picture. Yep. Sure enough, here it is. And animated feature, as predicted, went to Soul, but also score. So um, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross won against themselves uh, with the added uh, spice of John Baptiste and they wisely let John Baptiste just have the entire speech. They've been yeah. there, done that. He had not. And so it was cool that they let him speak, especially because his jazz music was such so core and important to what Soul ended up being. So it made sense. All right. I mean, now John Baptiste has an Oscar yeah. and a Grammy. Oh. I didn't I think he there. might be Emmy nominated oh. because of Stephen Colbert. So he's just got to get that Tony? <laughs> I didn't say that. You, you said that. But hey, say, he's just it's out there. That. He could get that Tony. Uh, so yeah, those are the big headlines. Uh, we missed a few little ones like documentary went to Octopus Teacher. Uh, we called shorts, that. Short subject ended up being um, which one was that? Because uh, it wasn't the one I had predicted. Um, oh, that's yeah. right. That ended up being one of the weirdest awards of the night because that was the one that went to Colette, which was the uh, mm-hmm. the film that was released as part of a co-marketing deal with, get this, Media Boat listeners, the EA slash Respawn Entertainment Medal of Honor VR game for Oculus. Right, that was documentary <laughs> short subject. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. And yep. It blew my mind when the people accepting mentioned EA and Respawn in their speech because I had not known that going into this. And then, yeah, so sure enough, Respawn Entertainment, the company that brings you Apex Legends and the Titanfall series, uh, now has an Oscar on their shelves. (laughs) (laughs) Goes to show you, weird weirdness abounded in this this broadcast here. So during E3, can we expect uh, Oscar winning (laughs) EA? Yeah, Academy Award winning. Respawn Entertainment brings you, uh, but yeah. So let's flip it off in the big or uh, big winners and talk more about the general uh, look of the show. So they went for oh, a let's very, talk about the look of the show. Yeah, they went for a very different approach this year. They it took place in the middle of Union Station, which is big, giant, open area. So they took advantage of that by shooting it not like they do typically in the Dolby Theater, and shooting it more intimately, like a filmic letterboxed presentation um i thought it was actually kind of cool but by the time you got halfway through the ceremony it stopped mattering and you just realized oh this is just a reward show now (laughs) but for the first 20 minutes i was like this is cool yeah i liked the difference that it did Mm -hmm. Uh, i do like that kind of aspect ratio the it did give it a more look view it was shot in 24 frames Mm-hmm. 
um, and the 2.35 aspect ratio. So it did give it that cinematic quality, which I'm going to point to Steven Soderbergh's yeah. uh, production on that. Probably. As he was one of the big uh, executive producers for this show. Um, also, if you noticed, they cut all almost all of the clip packages. Yes. They saved clip packages for the big categories. And by big categories, I mean animated feature, documentary feature, and best picture. Is that a good choice? I don't know, but they did. Definitely cut on time because it allowed <laughs> them to not cut off uh, speeches. Right. So I think it was a good give and take. Of course, also there's the note about Questlove's not going to cut them off and they don't have an orchestra, so who's going to cut them off? <laughs> It'd be Questlove. <laughs> yeah, even at, and he's not going to do it. He's I thought at one point like, I did hear some music start playing. I did, yeah. But uh, it was like very low. So I'm not sure if that was something that I just heard in my head thinking yeah. they should probably wrap it up. I mean, and in the end, you did get a three-hour-plus ceremony because of that. So they didn't get the time-saving measures that they wanted. Uh, but hey, it was still interesting to look at. And that's not something you can say about the Oscars presentation every year. So No, but people were complaining about the in-memoriam section. Yeah, and how I mean, fast it went. It was very fast. I think what they were trying to do is that when the music behind it was speeding up, they would speed up the names as well. Yes. It was supposed to be to the rhythm of the song, which, yeah, it does come across as potentially disrespectful for the people that were in the faster portions. Also, in a year like 2020, it's probably impossible for them to literally name every single person that was involved in the movie industry. So they missed some names. I saw uh, somebody specifically referencing Adam Schlesinger not being on that list, even though he was nominated for an Oscar for that thing you do. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. They can only do so much. Right. There's only a, a set amount of lists of names submitted, mm -hmm. and they have to somehow fit all those names into a four-minute package. And they have to get assets for them. They have to get... Yep. Uh, pictures and voice samples potentially and so yeah it's it's a process mm -hmm. so yeah can't really blame them for that one no but overall the viewership was down under 10 million for the first time in several years yeah again not surprising when you uh, you hear this every year after the oscars telecast but the movies that are nominated are directly correlated with the ratings if you put enough movies that people actually actively have seen, your Avengers Endgames, your Dark Knights, you're going to get an uptick in viewership. If you don't have any of those, that's going to be a down year. This year was especially complicated because it wasn't only a down year for those kind of releases being nominated, but it was also a down year for movies in general. So these movies, probably not very many people who are watching their televisions on a random Sunday night have seen. Even right, like a lot of people. Of streaming. A lot of people who don't go to them. I mean, nobody went to the movies <laughs> until like Kong, like yeah. a month ago. <laughs> right. So all here. last all of 2020, if you didn't go to the movies, you didn't care about the Oscars because yeah. it's like, oh, there were still movies. I guess so. Maybe mm -hmm. I didn't go, so I didn't watch, so I didn't care. Yeah. And even with the full push of streaming. 
and being able to watch these films on streaming, Netflix and Amazon had big pushes. I mean, even your best picture winner is available on Hulu. Yeah. You're not, you didn't see a whole lot of push from those outlets. I think the Academy, just like a lot of things over the course of the last year, just looked at it. It was like, this is not the big push. We don't need to. It's kind of a wash. Like these things are already being kind of viewed as a wash until we get back into the the the, the uh, process of making and seeing movies like we always do. And so until we get there, there's going to be lower stakes contests. And this just happened to be a lower stakes contest this year, which is fine. Um, but it's not going to get viewers because the viewers don't care. Now, if Sonic the Hedgehog had been nominated for Best Picture... <laughs> it'd been nominated for Best Animated Film. <laughs> it isn't even 100% animated. It doesn't belong there either. I don't know. Anyways, I'm not actually advocating for this, by the way. Um, I have still no, not that seen that was it. the joke that, oh, yes. only Sonic came out. Yeah. <laughs> Detective? No. That uh, Detective Pikachu was two year. years ago. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, uh, so yeah, overall, I mean, interesting package. Uh, some deserved winners, but ultimately just went out with a whimper. And I think it's going to paint a lot of people's memory uh, of this, just the fact that we all just thought they were going to honor uh, Chadwick Boseman, and then they distinctly did not. But, I mean, the Academy chose not to right. choose him. Yeah, so. so. Oh, well, weird night. Yeah. Weird night. Okay, are we ready to move on? Any last comments about? Uh, yes, one last comment um, that I'm looking at here. Pixar lost in the animated short film category okay. to If Anything Happens, I Love You. Yes. Uh, other than that, congratulations uh, to Chloe Zhao. Yeah. I'm still waiting for your Eternals trailer. <laughs> yeah it did not drop as you thought we did get trailers for west side story and in the heights though so. yes we did musicals 2021 you're the musical i'm calling it <laughs> all right let's move on and talk about our second story here speaking of things from last year the dc fandom has returned dome, dome, dome. Mm-hmm. bring back that joke so the dc fandom just like last year will be an online event that will return on october 16th two months past last year's event, which was held in August of 2020. No further details about the show were provided quite yet, but last year's event held impressive reveals for The Batman, Zack Snyder's Justice League, which has already come out, The Suicide Squad, Black Adam, The Flash, and Aquaman 2. The announcement of the new fandom for 2021 comes as Sonic, uh, as Sonic, San Diego Comic-Con, New York Comic-Con, and other conventions are charting a path forward with a return to in-person events, potentially. I say potentially, it's not in the story, but I'm saying potentially, um, because who knows? Right. New York, New York Comic Con will take place the week prior on October 7th through the 10th, while San Diego Comic Con is attempting an event over the long Thanksgiving weekend, though that plan is facing an uphill battle. I'm going to finish the unfinished sentence here because I'm going to guess here with the city of San Diego. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. If that wasn't already. <laughs> right. Uh, but yes, uh, new CDC guidelines this week mm-hmm. said that you can have large gatherings as long as you're vaccinated and mm-hmm. wear a mask. But 
then the question becomes, which has been a thing that sparked a lot of debate over the last few months, how do you prove that you're vaccinated and how are the people, the staff, to believe you? We don't it's have any sort of same permanent... Way, yeah. The same way you someone proves that they're vegan. Exactly. They will tell you. Those, those cards only show, show so much because they can be easily forged mm-hmm. and or copied. And so there's no way for the staff to use that as the pure identifier. It becomes the honor system at that point. And the risk there, if you have people coming in who naively assume that everybody is telling the truth and that everyone is vaccinated, they're going to be willy-nilly with the precautions. Are you saying there's a wolf among us? I'm saying that there very well could be. They could literally be dressed as a wolf, in fact, (laughs) uh, which is likely. Uh, So... Uh, yeah, um, basically, this is the Media Boat podcast saying that if this sounds appealing to you, maybe press the brakes a little bit until we get to the end of the year and it seems like it's a better idea. Whether you're in New York or San Diego, keep an eye out for percentages, keep an eye out for what the CDC says going forward. If, hey, by November, they're like, hey, all clear, we're like 90% immunity over here, go for it, go nuts then yeah, maybe attend Comic-Con, but maybe hesitate until we learn more. Or you could always cosplay as Scorpion or Sub-Zero and (laughs) always wear a mask. Smart, smart. Um, However, the actual story here is about the fandom and that's online only. So yes, the good news here is that DC is not going to make you risk their life, your life to see their new announcements. So uh, hey, Crack open a diet pepper, uh, diet pepper, Dr. Pepper diet, uh, diet Dr. Pepper, and enjoy as the streams come. In yes, um, and as they did last year, the streams won't be made available on YouTube, so you can just scrub right through. That's you nice. have to watch the event in its entirety <laughs> for for the reveals. Well, I feel like people who are interested in the fandom are also the people who will do that. So I'm not too worried about them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh. they did have the Wonder Woman 1984 premiere and people were dressing up for that during the event. So yeah, that's true. People will dress up and still sit in front of their computers at home. Well, speaking of dressing up as Sub-Zero and Scorpion, thank you for the perfect segue into movie thoughts this week as you sat down with a presumed bowl of popcorn and watched on HBO Max Mortal Kombat. Yes, I tried to make this a date night. <laughs> Did not go well. No, no. Kristen's not, uh, not uh, into the, the Mortal Kombat franchise. In the first 10 minutes, nay, five minutes, <laughs> when the first action scene came on and it was super bloody. She's like, mm-hmm. why are we watching this? Let's watch something else. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. Which, you know, for Mortal Kombat, mm-hmm. it's right up its alley. It's like, you know what that is, but does I she know. know what that is, is the question. No, I just put it on because it was yeah. a new movie. I just said, we're watching the new movie release of the week. Okay. Yeah. Put it on. Wait, what's this? <laughs> <laughs> but you're right, though. If you know what you're getting into, this seems to deliver that. Yes. And if you don't know what you're getting into, you <laughs> be warned. may not be as well versed like if you're not well versed in the lore some of the stuff may go over your head Mm -hmm. but then again this is a fan movie made for the fans and that's probably the best way i could probably describe this film okay 
because so, it delivers exactly what a fan would want out of a new Mortal Kombat film. And I say so, new because of the 90s film. Yeah, I was going to say, so uh, to, to kind of be clear about what this thing is, they tried this before. Uh, the original Mortal Kombat released in the 90s, along with that thumping soundtrack that everybody remembers. Mm-hmm. Um, how does this differ from that approach to adapting the video game? So unlike what you would think in a video game upgrade adaptation, which is, oh, new graphics. Because <laughs> Mortal Kombat is now on 11, 13, I think. They are beyond, I think the last one was 11, yes. So the next one would be a 12. Right. So, Not including spinoffs. Right. So this isn't just your typical new engine, new graphics upgrade. This is a complete overhaul to instill lore and bring that lore in from the from both comic books and the games into a cinematic universe. Okay. So they're taking that Marvel DC approach. Eh, let's call it the MonsterVerse approach. Sure. <laughs> and saying that this world is yet but the first in a potential four film franchise, maybe. I have heard that apparently some of the actors involved in this did sign three to four picture deals. So that yes, checks. And I assume that is while actors do indeed sign those contracts, those clauses are in there because if it's a hit on their hands, mm-hmm. they're going to want to make more and they don't want to all of a sudden go back to the negotiating table right. immediately after having a hit on their hands because actors are going to want more like, oh, you now you need me instead of oh, maybe we do or don't need you. Yeah. So (laughs) I'm not keen on hinging on that anymore. Uh Uh, Not since the late aughts kind of instilled (laughs) that into regular negotiation powers. Because fewer things hit as like they used to. Um, And so studios have to be very careful with those franchises because they're not all going to work. Right. And you don't want to bring back the actors that are fan favorites and let's be honest are gonna sell the toys Mm -hmm. because that's where they make most of their money on the toys on the merchandising but going back to the actual film though yeah mortal kombat mortal kombat bloody as hell yeah got some brutal kills got some fatalities Mm -hmm. got some slicing people open and it's like oh yeah we can do that any friendships CGI has gotten so good that yes, you there's basically nothing that can't happen anymore. You're mm-hmm. limited by your imagination. Okay, so if I'm imagining um, that they have a friendship, uh, does a friendship happen in this room? Yes, because friendship <laughs> is power. No, 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 like a friendship, like you could. There's a thing in the one of the Mortal Kombat games. You, it's like an equivalent to a fatality, but it's a friendship. Or it's actually like, oh no, they're actually cool and they get along. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, no friendship. Yeah, no. What about babality, which is they turn into an infant? Does anybody turn into an infant? No, but there is a baby. Okay. All right. Didn't expect that. Uh, what's another weird one from World Cup? Does anybody at any point show up from the side of the screen and yell toasty? No, but there is get over here. I mean, you, you have you, you have, have to. to. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, no toasty, no deal. No. Anyway. Um. So, 
Sounds like it delivers the Mortal Kombat experience. Yeah, it does play into the um, kind of Dragon Ball-esque find your chi mm. or your key to mm-hmm. unlock like an upper ability. Power levels. Power level mm-hmm. in order to like compete because normal people can't just compete in Mortal Kombat. No. No, goddamn. No. They'd be ripped God, apart. Be... Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> By like four hands. That does this happen. This is my Goro <laughs> move right here. Yes. Ooh, ow. <laughs> Should not do that right now. <laughs> yes, Goro ripping your arms out from you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so you need something, a upping ability to compete on the Mortal Kombat everything is life and death scenario. Mm. Hence the name. Yes, hence the name <laughs> and the K. Yeah, hence the K. Well, the K for the KO, really. But. Yeah, so it delivers on all that, but here's the question, though. Is it good? Because there's good, like, oh, I'm going to see this action movie about people beating up each other, and it's just really bloody, and it's silly, and there's cool special effects. Then there's good, which is, oh, there's actually a character arc here, and there's interesting story, and the dialogue is well-written. I'm going to guess probably yes on the first and no on the second. Yes on the first, but it tries really hard for the second. I bet. (laughs) It tries really hard um, giving each character a reason for entering Mortal Kombat. Mm -hmm. It tries really hard to up the stakes. It does do that successfully in the most common form of we're holding your family hostage. You have to fight us. Oh boy. Okay. Sure. Or you have to fight me. Kind of stakes. Um, yeah. There is the family bloodline lineage. Okay. You have to fight this. Mm-hmm. So family there line. are. So it's takes the easy way out there in the typical format. But at the same time, I'm not in this movie for expanded <laughs> right. deep character lore it's like what we're talking about choreography fighting yeah we were talking about the same thing with kong versus godzilla is like yes. if you're coming in here for a deep character study you're going in with the wrong expectations like come in to watch big big things fight seems like right. you're also coming here kong and to watch big things fight at least with kong versus godzilla i could see the holes of <laughs> oh this is supposed to be the the plot yeah. through. this is supposed to connect through here this is how they all tie in together the Sub the mm-hmm. sub themes, not so much sub themes with Mortal Kombat when your main theme is fight or the world will end. Yeah, right. Which fight is fight or die. But you know, I mean, that's what Mortal Kombat is: fight or die, or yeah, it's fight to the death. So yeah, yeah. So is this a recommend? Do you think, uh, well, obviously I don't think we're going to recommend people to go to a theater to see this, but do you think if somebody wants a fun uh, drive-in experience or an HBO Max streaming experience, do you think you'd recommend it? Uh, it's a good guy film. Sure. It, in the stereotypical meaning of the phrase, yeah. Yeah. In the, I'm a dude, I want some cheap popcorn fun that I can watch and mm-hmm. have a good have a good uh, cinematic adventure because the choreography in this is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the guys who did the raid are the ones behind this. Oh, interesting. Okay. So they were given a no holds bar, do whatever you want. If someone told you no, you can't do it, we'll figure out a way to make it work. Yeah. 
And so, it's yeah. pretty faithful to a lot of the moves in Mortal Kombat, the game, and what okay. they do. A lot of uppercuts. Oh, yeah. A lot of trying to get somebody to stop jumping. A lot of leg sweeps. <laughs> leg <Yes>. sweeps, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, my last question then, as a video game adaptation, a thing that usually has a track record of being bad, is it a good one of those? They're getting a lot better. Okay. I would put this on par with Tomb Raider. Okay. So on the scale, let's say of, hmm, what's the scale? Uh, from original Super Mario Brothers to Detective Pikachu, where are we on the scale? Oh, you're pretty, I guess, yeah, Detective Pikachu. Detective Pikachu is probably the best video game adaptation. Let's be Current, real. Yeah, out there, Currently. yeah. Like, like I said, it'd be around... Um, Tomb Raider, Tomb which Raider, is probably yes. maybe a little bit, not a few notches beyond the middle, I would say. Yeah. Like, towards the good side. It's, I think a lot yeah. of that has to deal with the special effects and practical effects that they use. Um, yeah. A lot of that is really well done here. Uh-huh. It does kind of fall short of being a cinematic, wow, you have to go <laughs> see this. Okay. But fans of Mortal Kombat will definitely enjoy this. And fans of movies in general, because it's just a pretty good film. You know, it's an action film. So if you like action movies, it's a good action movie. All right. So that sounds like a media vote. Stream it. Let's move on. Because we have more to talk about. Yes, we do. Let's talk about TV. And we always start TV with Sports Corner. Sports. It continues to happen. (laughs) First up. If this first story sounds familiar, it's because we made a mistake. Oh, no. So we told you that the NFL draft started on the past Thursday. It actually starts this upcoming Thursday, a.k.a. tomorrow, if you're watching this the day it goes up. So, yeah, sorry about that. We apologize. But, hey, if you're still excited, the NFL draft is still to come. Cleveland, in Cleveland, uh, Jaguars, Jets, and 49ers all, like we said last week, expected to take quarterbacks for the top three draft positions. So stay tight. It's happening tomorrow. Yes. Uh, The Broncos recently traded for Teddy Bridgewater from the Panthers. So Panthers are in the market for a quarterback. This doesn't mean Broncos are technically out of the running for a quarterback, but (laughs) they're beefing up their stock as well. Uh, let's see here. Mac Jones may or may not be the official third pick. We don't know yet. <laughs> the 49ers are still playing their cards close to the chest. Um, and then the Falcons are still expected to trade away out of that fourth slot. Mm-hmm. Don't know where yet. Current prediction is for the Patriots to move up and get either whoever's left over, but whoever the 49ers basically don't pick. <laughs> okay. Between uh, Mac Jones, uh, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance. Okay. All right. So, I mean, Maybe the first we'll two see. picks are all but locked right now. Okay. Which will be funny if either of them don't submit a pick. <laughs> which, by the way... Um, this has nothing to do with that. I should probably talk about this off podcast. I was watching <laughs> Draft Day uh, the other day because it was on because sure. the NFL draft. Yeah. And there's a situation where someone stole the pick ahead. 
and then was waiting to make a trade with the person behind them for their slot. But there's a rule that if you don't make a pick within those within your allotted time, the team after you can take can submit their pick. So if the not Cleveland Browns team, I think it was Seattle, <laughs> basically said, yeah, we'll make the trade to move up, but then don't officially call it in, they could still get their guy without losing any picks. <laughs> mm, so dang. there's some flaws to that, yeah. which is like a, we might see upcoming draft as people don't know who or what they're going to pick. So people might just run out of time. But we'll see. We'll see. So that process starts tomorrow, which is the 29th of April. Yes. Um, the reason I thought it was the previous week is because it's typically always mm. that week. Okay. Um, and it wasn't. And it wasn't. But what was, though, was a seven-inning no-hitter for Madison Bumgarner. It would have been a proper no-hitter if it hadn't been a seven-inning Doubleheader game, but yes. here we are. <laughs> yeah, the thirty-eighth pitcher to do so, which yeah. makes it extremely rare. Right, rare right. more rare, weirdly enough, no than an actual no hitter. Yeah, right, but because I, you have to be a, a part of a doubleheader already. Right, for that to happen. Right. So yeah, the 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 team. I saw a clip of it. Team celebrated at the end, just like they would if it was a full no hitter. Uh, just lauding praise on the guy. I mean, congratulations. He's a good He's a good pitcher. I yep. mean, we don't need to tell you this. <laughs> no, throwing a no-hitter is great in baseball. Yeah. Even if it's slightly shorter than a real game. <laughs> but, hey. Yes, uh, it, it will not go into the official record books right. as a no-hitter because it is only seven, seven innings. innings. But if there's a special <laughs> section for double-header... <laughs> Yeah, no which there should be, if you ask me. Well, then thirty. he joined mm-hmm. 38 other pitchers on that list. Congratulations. Next up, we have a little update for you about an ongoing story that we've had uh, for a little bit going here about NBC and the NHL. So we talked about ESPN making de- wheeling and dealing with a, the, with a couple of different leagues, including... Uh, the National Hockey League, and we heard, talked about NBC dropping NBC Sports as a label and thus maybe losing their hockey deal. Well, yep, sure enough, NBC has left negotiations with the NHL completely at this point. Yep, uh, they just stopped talking with them. They're, so after this season, NHL on NBC will officially no longer be a thing. But then where do they go? Well, thank you, because we have that's the perfect subway. Subway. <laughs> Delicious. I know. I'm getting hungry for a sandwich. Uh, perfect segue into our first news story in TV news, which is about where the NHL did go. Well, turns out they made a deal with Warner Media. Warner Media has gained the rights to show live NHL games on its two cable networks, TBS and TNT as well as its streaming hub, HBO Max, in a seven-year deal valued at least $200 million. This is in conjunction with the ESPN deal we already talked about, secured over the same seven-year period. Under terms of the pact, Warner Media's TBS and TNT will get to broadcast the Stanley Cup final 
and parts of the Stanley Cup playoffs for the first time. Though ESPN will get the final four times the next three years and Turner will have it on three occasions. TNT will have exclusive rights to the league's annual winter classic as well. Overall, Turner Sports will get rights up to, to up to 72 regular season games each season and will be able to show those games on HBO Max and via a variety of mobile screening options. Turner can also show clips and highlights via its Bleacher Report and House of Highlights venues. Turner is likely to focus first on NHL programming for TNT and TBS, he said. The company did not organ- announce what day of the week would be devoted to hockey, given TNT's schedule already encompasses baseball and basketball games as well as AEW wrestling. And over time, we'll start to focus more closely on opportunities for programming on HBO Max. I'm guessing when it fiscally makes sense to do that as opposed to running them on cable first. Yes, I think that was from the uh, Turner Sports CEO or Hmm. operations manager. So yeah, I mean, more or less we saw something like this coming, but I don't think we would have ever guessed Warner. No, and adding HBO Max and Bleacher Report to that as uh, encompassing streaming deals. Mm-hmm. Oof. It's smart. It's smart. It's smart. That's not, that's not a bad oof. That's not a yeah, bad no. oof. Don't think it's a bad oof. That's it's a, smart. It's a good that's oof. That's a smart move. I think the real smart rule uh, move here is them knowing, looking to the future and being like, people are probably eventually going to watch their streaming sports on, or their sports on streaming networks. And putting that in as an extra reason for hockey fans to be interested in HBO Max doesn't hurt either. Um, TNT and TBS, of course, at this point, TBS mostly associated with baseball. Uh, They have a long history of showing uh, Atlanta Braves games. And then... And World Series games. And World Series games as well. Playoff games. And TNT, of course, has a long history with the NBA being associated with that brand for years. So Yes, and the uh, NBA... Shaq fiasco, <laughs> NBA <laughs> Live, mm-hmm. or their, their coverage of Shaq and right. Charles Barkley. Right. So needless to say, they, they can lev- use the leverage that they already have for sports fans with those existing brands to get them interested in watching NHL broadcasts. So uh, yeah, I mean, this makes sense. It's a good move on Warner's part. And for sports fans, it gives them a lot of different places that they could potentially watch these games. Yep. Um it's a good deal. Yeah. I think it's seven Definitely. years on purpose to see how streaming plays out over those seven years. Also, and the then NHL you'll... can play them against each other and see if the ESPN broadcasts outdo the, the Warner and vice versa. Right. I think that it feels like uh, NHL came forward with a five-year deal, mm-hmm. but then ESPN said, no, let's <laughs> do seven. Or yeah. It was five, ten, let's be in the middle at seven, signed deal. And then that forced Turner to do the same seven-year deal. Probably. It set the precedent. Yeah. Exciting if you're a hockey fan, though. A I lot mean, of new Exciting sports, because if this opens not just ESPN up, but HBO Max to have its own dedicated sports channel on HBO Max, mm-hmm. hey, yeah. that's, that's good news for customers. For sure. Unless uh, pricing goes up. Yeah, but Yeah, but... We'll okay. get we'll cross that digital bridge when we get to it. Yeah. Speaking of cross that off my wallet. <laughs> speaking of crossing digital bridges, uh, 
on this podcast, we've talked on and off over the years that we've recorded about the idea of digital ownership, about whether you actually own things that you buy digitally. We've talked recently about the PlayStation stores that were almost shut down, including PS3 and PSP and Vita games. We've talked about this with uh, with streaming or with uh, rights related to like individual films and movies that you buy digitally right. online. We talked about it when the Google Play Store was shutting down its movies and TVs mm-hmm. as and transferring over to YouTube. Mm-hmm. And we've always advocated physical media over digital sales. Well, over the course of these last few years, there's been talk about when will we eventually get an actual court case that tries to decide whether these digital storefronts are allowed or should be able to pull the rug out from somebody who has bought a movie or piece of media and then completely delete it from their library without further notice. Well, that day has more or less started to come. Um, Nothing final here, but Apple has been faced with a federal judge saying that it is plausible that consumers don't know that access to purchase content can be revoked. This comes from a lawsuit moving forward for Apple telling consumers that they can, quote, buy movies and TV shows. The class action lawsuit is pointed squarely at the iTunes store as it alleges that Apple reserves the right to terminate access to what consumers have purchased and in fact has done so on numerous occasions. Quote, Apple argues that plaintiff's alleged injury, which it describes as the possibility that the purchased content may one day disappear, is not concrete, but rather speculative. Also adding, the injury plaintiff alleges is not as Apple contends that he may someday lose access to his purchased content. Rather, the injury is that at the time of the purchase, he paid either too much for the product or spent money he would not have but for the misrepresentation. This economic injury is concrete and actual, not speculative, as Apple contends, satisfying the injury in fact requirement of Article 3. So this is potentially good news for a consumer because this is a federal judge pointing out that the language Apple uses does not warn a consumer that the money that they spent on the thing that they bought is what they think it is it's potentially deceptive and the courts are now starting to point that out. Right. As we've pointed out constantly, when you buy something, you don't necessarily buy it for the life of the license. Mm-hmm. You buy it for the life of the company that it's providing it to you. Not only that, but you're also buying it by the terms of the EULA that they make you say you agree to. Because as the, the, the court points out here, Apple had it in their thing that they do have the right to do this, but most consumers aren't going to know that. Uh, Most consumers are going to go into that transaction assuming that they got the thing because they bought it because it says buy on the thing. And how are they supposed to know? They're not going to seek through that contract looking for that specific line where it says they don't. And even worse, they might read that line and still assume that it means something different than they think it means. Right, because the average consumer is not going to read the EULA. (laughs) No. They're going to see buy. I hit buy. Yeah. Wait, I have to put my credit card information? Okay. I accept your terms? Sure. As long as it allows me to buy it. Yeah. And so, yeah, Apple here is trying to play a little game here by saying, 
Well, that's just speculation because at no point did we say that this happens. No point did we say it's going to happen. We just said that if it happens, they might not have access to the thing. So they're basically saying you can't sue us. You can't have us legally like in trouble for that because we're just saying that it could happen. They're just saying that it could happen. There's nothing that's happened to the consumer for this to be a problem. While the court is pointing out, yeah, but that's not the point. He's being misrepresented. Is they, he thinks he's buying, that the, the consumer here is buying something and they're not actually buying it. It's the meaning of the words that's right. You're, it doesn't say buy the rights, it's mm-hmm. buy. It buy. That's all it says. Yeah. Like you go to a store, you buy it, you own it. So, you go to a digital store, you buy it, you own it. Mm-hmm. But that physical ownership of digital media is what comes into question. Mm-hmm. So the bottom line here is this is a good step forward in this conversation that the fact that we're giving legal representation against these um, kind of uh, practices and hopefully we'll see more of this going forward. We'll see more court cases related to this and someday we'll get that final verdict at some point where we decide once and for all whether a media company can just pull the rug out from you or more potentially can't. We, you know, that day hasn't come yet, but it will probably in our lifetimes. So, yep. I mean, we're, we're getting closer to it, and this lawsuit helps. Yeah. I mean, who does it help? We'll see what it. Yeah, we'll see that. exactly. We never truly know, do we? Right. Not until uh, gavel is stricken and appeals <laughs> are done with. Right. Because everyone's going to appeal it. Yeah. Speaking of appeal, no appealing. Speaking of something that's appealing. Speaking of something that I'm sure was appealing for you was Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney+. Plus. Wait, did you not watch this? I told you I bounced off immediately after watching the pilot, said it was not for me. So I did not watch any of this. Uh, But tell me about this uh, Disney Plus uh, series all about lovable Falcon and a lovable Winter Soldier. So... The Falcon and the Winter Soldier are, in all intents and purposes... In love. I was going to say side characters. But oh, sure. Okay. Well, in love. Never mind. The, never mind. the romance. <laughs> <laughs> they're side characters. They're sidekicks. They're yeah. not the main focus in Captain America films. I mean, no. even the title of Captain America, the Winter Soldier, gets mm-hmm. second building to Captain America. Mm-hmm. Kind of the same here with the Winter Soldier getting second billing to <laughs> the Falcon. <laughs> right. But overall, this takes place where Avengers Endgame left off of there is no more Captain America. Do we need Captain America? Mm-hmm. Do we need that symbol? This is supposed to be a time of peace and Captain America is a s- symbol of War in Amer- the American war machine. Um, also, note that War, war machine. machine is a character yes. in the Marvel Universe. Also, see also War Machine. See also War Machine. That symbol <laughs> does exist. Yeah. 
It's a whole Wikipedia page. Like disambiguation, war machine, lower capital, lower caps, war machine, capitalize. Yes. <laughs> anyway. Anyways, this series does a great job of taking essentially the side characters mm-hmm. and elevating them to main character status. Okay. Um, it does that by, well, one, if you haven't been paying attention to social media and had no idea that this was happening, <laughs> uh, elevating the Falcon to status of Captain America, the mm-hmm. new Captain America. We should now, say spoilers. Spoilers, but, <laughs> but then again, obvious spoiler. This was this was planted way back at the mm-hmm. end of Avengers Endgame with right. Sam Wilson getting the shield from Steve Rogers. Yeah, heavily so, implied. Heavily so implied that he is that the new going. Captain America. But it does go into not just the aspect of a black Captain America, but the story, the actual comic book story, which I didn't know existed and had to actually look this up, <laughs> of the first black Captain America, which is an actual comic book story that was already told. They were able to bring that story into the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And continue that with Sam, uh, with um, yeah, Sam Wilson becoming Captain Black, not Black Captain America, because you don't have to note that <laughs> they're not calling it's, him that. They're not calling him it's that. Captain it's America, as Captain America, and they're not calling him <laughs> the new Captain America. It's just yeah. your Captain America, which yeah. is a big step and a big mm-hmm. thing to do. You don't denote it. You don't denote the title or rank by the color you just that's captain america right that's key that's mm-hmm. key yeah and it definitely takes all six episodes which is shorter than uh wandavision, WandaVision nine. um it does take all six episodes to build up to that moment yeah and show you that it it's not a mantle taken lightly but also it's a mantle of where this direction needs to go and it does a great job of that. Okay. So even though you know more or less that that's where the series is going, in between, does it do enough interesting things along the way to keep you watching? It does because it deals with the blip of the MCU, of all these billions of people just automatically reappearing and then all of a sudden, right? what do we do with these people? We just yeah. got five years settled. Yeah, And now they're back and we have to get not just their lives back together, but get the world back together because, hey, they're back now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, five years is a long time to be gone. People just, the example I gave was that people have moved into new houses and now the old owners are back. Whose house is it? <laughs> right. Right. Because, you know, People move on in yeah. five years, yeah. but the Avengers don't. <laughs> <laughs> but we saw that in Endgame. This yeah, gives us a, this is interesting because this gives us a glimpse about what's happening with everybody else. Right, it's yeah. the external fallout from Endgame. Right, which um, WandaVision kind of hinted at. It hinted did it at fully it. because that was a self-contained character story. Right, Falcon Winter Soldier is more of a global story. And it doesn't take that title lightly because it is a globe-trotting adventure. 
Okay. You go to different locations, all with green screens, courtesy of uh, Atlanta Productions. <laughs> and the Unreal Engine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, the, the very real Unreal Engine. Yes. <laughs> uh, but it's a good story. It's more plot heavy, I'd say, than uh, WandaVision, which was very mm-hmm. mystery heavy right. and episodic. This felt more like a fans, a very close interpretation of the Russo brothers' mm-hmm. vision. Which for makes sense because at this point, you cannot put a show out that tells a Captain America story without at least echoing the Russo's films because they're so key to what that character is at this point. Right, because they took over from Joe Johnson mm-hmm. and did Winter Soldier and then Civil War and that got them yeah. to Infinity War and Endgame. They created the language of what now we now know as the um, the traditional Marvel movie structure. Like there right. existed a structure before them, but they solidified it in a way that no directors had before. Well, the structure was the Whedon structure. Right. Avengers. And, and now it's been completely supplanted by the Russo structure. Right. Yeah. Because James Gunn took the Whedon structure and made it his own. Right. So, yeah. So it's good. It's, uh, I'm not sure how often I would go back to it as a series. Yeah. I mean, I guess the same thing can be said about WandaVision because yeah. if you know what's going to happen, you know the plot, you can sit, you can see the little stuff that you missed the first time, but yeah. it doesn't warrant the repeat viewings that some Marvel movies do. And that's the risk you're taking whenever you have a show that's about solving a mystery or about mm-hmm. getting to a piece of a larger puzzle. like You get that Falcon with those large moments. Right. Um, yeah, and WandaVision does have the advantage of having the television show gimmick stuff as kind of a hook. So I do wonder if maybe at the end of this we'll be looking back and be like, well, I don't know if I'm going to go back, but there's reasons to go back to WandaVision that maybe aren't here in Falcon and Winter Soldier. But then we'll have a third example of this in June with Loki, uh, which from what I can tell is going to be more of a comedy. Yeah, it's a Loki looks to be a weird comedy-esque yeah. time manipulation <laughs> thing. Who can say? Honestly, we couldn't have told you what WandaVision or Falcon Winter Soldier were before they debuted either. So Loki's just going to be that again, where right. we won't know until we get in it. I mean, we'll get May off from new Marvel yeah. stuff. Yeah. Until June. <laughs> because obviously May will be Star Wars month on Disney Plus. Yes. <laughs> uh, beginning with the release of The Bad Batch on right. May 4th. Yeah. May the 4th. Which is Tuesday? Yes, Tuesday. Yeah. Yep, next Tuesday. So May the 4th. Forward so to that. We'll be talking about The Bad Batch <laughs> premiere next week. I guess so. Jeez, just. The Disney Plus train never stops rolling, is I guess what we have to say here. I mean, that's our train. Never stop, never stopping. Yeah. No way, hey, pop star. <laughs> yeah, but it does sound like, though, that so far, they're two for two. It seems like you really enjoyed WandaVision and you really enjoyed this. Yeah, and I think the critical reception from uh, from Falcon and the Winter Soldier, especially mm-hmm. that I've seen immediately from social media, is that it's very positive and they're yeah. very accepting of 
Captain America. Okay. And and what that role has now become. Cool. No, that's good. Because that means... No more steroids. I mean, super serum. <laughs> Anything like that. All right. Well, but they do set up very slightly the potential villains. Okay. For the next series, or not the next series, but the next um, phase. Mm. Ever so subtly. I can see where it's going, but then again, that's because comic book knowledge <laughs> right. keeps in there. So. I won't say it here because it might be spoilers, but if you want that knowledge, it is out there. Okay. Just Google US agent and you'll find <laughs> it. <laughs> wow. Give them the give them a little, little first taste there. there there's your breadcrumb. Finish it off. All right, cool. So that sounds like a stream it. I mean, it's end. So yeah, you would have streamed it. <laughs> <laughs> streamed it. Yeah, there you go. Yes. All right, cool. Now let's pivot into things that, uh, well, you may not be able to stream anymore because they might be canceled, cancellations and renewals. Did you watch anything? No, got nothing, just baseball. Okay, uh, I did watch Pooch Perfect because it was Disney night. Yeah, but you already talked about that. We already <laughs> talked about that. Um, you know oh, that and uh, I think Young Rock and Keenan should both be ending soon. Mm -hmm. So we'll get caught up <laughs> on those and talk about the endings Yes. Next week. We will talk about those when we get there. First off, let's talk about cancellations and renewals. Looks like no cancellation this week, but a bunch of renewals for you. All right. What am I still watching? From the top, Netflix. Flora's Lava is coming back for a second season. I'm so, surprised that wasn't picked up already. Yeah, I know. Easy COVID show. Yep. <laughs> Endeavor is getting an eighth season on PBS. Secrets of Sulphur Springs, which you talked about just last week, getting a second season on Disney Plus. Yes, um, more uh, demo reels for those actors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Selena Plus Chef, which is a cooking show with Selena Gomez, is getting a third season on HBO Max. And CBS is renewing a couple of NCIS shows. First up, Los Angeles will be getting a thirteenth season, and brand new NCIS Hawaii has been ordered for a full season. Uh, not sure if this is a spinoff from Los Angeles or any of the other NCISs, <laughs> but a full season has already been ordered for NCIS Hawaii. Hawaii. So get ready. Yep. They're just going to take the uh, Hawaii 5 mm -hmm. Yeah. Just uh, office and set and just say, it. hey, you're yep. now NCIS. NCIS now. <laughs> All right. And we do have one death, unfortunately, this week to talk about Shock G, age 57, rapper from the Digital Underground, but most famous for the song The Humpty Dance. Yes. Uh, he of the of uh, getting busy in a Burger King bathroom fame. Uh, how does he like his oatmeal? He likes it chunky. And oh, so many other songs. Also, a underground rap legend. Uh, was known for sticking around in the underground scene even beyond his fame. Um, and yeah, just tragically uh, at 57, just that's way too early. So uh, yeah, sad one for the rap community. Yeah, uh, famous for the glasses and fake yes. Squidward nose before Squidward was a thing. Kind of like, yeah, kind of like a Groucho Marx kind of look yes. um, was his trademark. And yes, the Humpty Dance. Yes. You, I'm sure you've heard of the Humpty Dance. And yes. I wondered why Burger King was trending. And this was the <laughs> now reason. Now you know. 
And now I know. Don't go into the bathrooms there. Just if you need to go to the bathroom, go next door to the Jack in the Box, though. It'll be fine. Right, because no one ever uses the bathroom at a Jack in the Box. Mm, yeah, maybe for good reason, actually, now that I think about it. Let's move on. Well, no, you're, you're thinking of a Taco Bell restaurant you should never go into. I think that is a overdone cliche. I have never had that reaction to Taco Bell. Del Taco, I've never had that reaction maybe. to Chipotle either, and I'm still offended by it. <laughs> As you wear your pepper shirt. Not sponsored, I'm assuming. No, not sponsored. Okay, Hell no. Well, None of this hey, is sponsored. Hey, Chipotle, I would like I sponsor burritos. myself. Hey, hey, Chipotle, though, if you do want to sponsor us, I would love free burritos. So please, mediabookpodcast at gmail.com. I may get burritos, Chipotle burritos after this. <sighs> Who knows? That sounds so good. Um, no, I'll probably just eat something here. All right. <laughs> Let's move on to music. And I toss this over like a basketball to you, to alley oop. Yes. Uh, and we always start music with the billboard. And we start the billboard with the Hot 100. And we have a new number one single this week. Well, no, we don't. Not new to the chart. It's yep. the same as last week. No, it's not. Yes, it is. It is? Yes. Oh. Rapstar? <laughs> yep. I thought Rapstar was number two last week. No. Two weeks ago. Oh, that was two weeks ago. Yeah, I know because I caught, I didn't move number one this week. That's how I know. Okay. Yeah, okay. Because I remember Rapstar being at number two. But nope. Rapstar is once again your number one song this week by Polo yep. G. Yep. Uh, at number two, Leave the Door Open by Silk Sonic. That got a little bump. Did. At number three, Peaches by Justin Bieber featuring Daniel Caesar and Givian. <laughs> at four, Montero, Call Me By Your Name by Lil Nas X. Mm-hmm. And rounding out your top five, Levitating. By Dua Lipa, featuring the yes. baby. Happy to see the best song on Future Nostalgia finally charting in the top five. Hey, I like that <laughs> album. No, I'm also, saying that it is a good album, and that's the best song on it. <laughs> laying laying down my my opinion now is that that is the best song in that record. All right, sure. I was waiting for it to be a single. It's a, the whole thing is a jam. Yes, but that doesn't mean you can't have a favorite. No, it means that it's all your favorites. <laughs> Whatever. Give me the album's chart. Speaking of all your favorites. Wait, nope. Sorry. <laughs> nope, right. nope. Nope. Billboard and 200 nope. <laughs> album. Billboard 200, your album's chart. Uh, new number one album this week. Young yes. Stoner Life, colon, Slime Language. Two. Two. Yeah. By Young Thug. And various artists, are <laughs> yeah. band, yeah, various artists. They, you know, they pop up every once in a while. It's good to see them still in the studio, <laughs> still making hits after all these years. <laughs> yeah, believe it or not, longest tenured uh, uh, group to ever be in the top, uh, the the hot two hundred, the Billboard two hundred. Weirdly enough, <laughs> yeah, various artists, just a little bit here, a little bit there. They <laughs> they continue to find work. Yeah, somehow, <laughs> must be really old at this point. I oh, know it's like Wu Tang Clan. They always get new members. Oh, okay, <laughs> cycle got through. Got it. Got it. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, favorite running joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, uh, congratulations, Young Thug, for yes. Slime Language Two, your <laughs> number one album of the week. Sure. Of course, this means that Fearless, Taylor's version, which was your number one album last year. Moves down last, to number two. Last year. 
Well, last week. Last, last year, last week, last 2008. Day, 2008. <laughs> I've heard this album before. Yeah. Uh, Taylor Swift, number two. Uh, at three, Dangerous, colon, the double album by Margaret Wallen. Still. Still here. Still hanging around top five. At number four, Justice by Justin Bieber. And new into the top five, Don't Break This Heart, Achy <laughs> Breaky Heart. Wait, no wrong song. This is Heart by Eric Church. Yes. Um, I don't believe you throw heart symbols up for Eric Church, though. No, but the word heart. Yes, but the word heart. What you gotta do. Yep. Uh, we, if you want uh, my thoughts on it, listen to last week's podcast. Fair enough. Uh, if you did not like any of those albums, we have new releases. Okay. First up is your favorite color. Well, someone's favorite color. Rose gold. <laughs> yeah, somebody's by, iPhone. Someone's iPhone. Rose gold. <laughs> By Ashley Monroe. We also have Turn Up That Dial by Dropkick Murphys. Yes, those Dropkick Murphys. Famous for that kid in college that you knew's ringtone. Also famous for (laughs) that one song you can definitely hear every St. Patrick's Day. Same thing. (laughs) Same song. Yes. (laughs) Uh, We also have Fortitude by Gojira. And I believe it is pronounced Gojira. I'm yeah, not just doing like a Godzilla. Just like the Japanese thing. name of Godzilla, yes. Yes, it's Gojira. Gojira. Uh, we also have Earthman Blues by Guided by Voices. Mm-hmm. The Million Masks of God by Manchester Orchestra. She Walks in Beauty by Marianne Faithful and Warren Ellis. Typhoons by Royal Blood. And lastly, Endless Arcade by Teenage Fan Club. That's a good combo. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get into some music news, shall we? Yes. Because someone who's not in the top five in either hundreds, but is a Grammy darling. Yeah. Billie Eilish. I mostly included the story because uh, you'll get there. I would love to hear your rendition, your best Billie Eilish impression going in this story here. All right. Well, after dropping a brief video on Monday sporting a new blonde look, Billie Eilish has announced that she will release her second full-length album titled Happier Than Ever on July 30th and will drop a new song on Thursday morning, meaning tomorrow? Yes. Yes. Quote, my new album, Happier Than Ever, out July 30th, she wrote in all caps on social media. (laughs) This is, quote, this is my favorite thing I've ever created, and I'm so excited and nervous and eager for you to hear it. I can't even tell you. She can't. I've never felt so much love for the project that I do for this one. Hope you feel what I feel. Also, new song out <laughs> Thursday at 9 a.m. too. Oh! <laughs> and judging by the titles of the songs from the album listed <laughs> below, it's clearly ironic title. 
<laughs> as she appears in tears on the cover. Mm. Um, possibly happy tears? Who knows? Probably not. But the lyrics <laughs> do continue the dark at and at playfully dark times vibe of her Grammy-winning 2019 debut full-length album, When We Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? It includes her two most recent singles, My Future and Therefore I Am, although not her recent collaboration with Rosalia. Like her debut, it was written and produced with her brother and musical collaborator and Grammy Award-winning Phineas. Also of note, not to sweep Billie Eilish under the rug here, <laughs> she's not the only one with a new album out later this year. Yeah. As Lana Del Rey also announced a new album out later this year. Yeah, that thing's out on July 4th. I didn't include it because I was like, well, one, it break, broke today. And uh, two, I was like, I feel like we just went through a Lana album cycle. Uh, let, let's recover from the last one first. Oh, no, we did. But also, both of these are out in July, so that's why yeah. I'm mentioning it, that Lana uh, will have two albums out before Billie Eilish puts out this next album. Yeah. But as for Billie, uh, I just wanted to say, this actually makes sense, the thematic, like, thematic uh, approach that she's taking here, along with the name. Because if you consider the documentary, the Apple TV Plus thing, mm -hmm. there's a lot of her talking kind of about how she views her fame, how weird it makes her feel. And that, yeah, theoretically, she should be so happy but it's just led to more complications in her life and so this album is probably a chance for her to address some of that i mean she did have the song all i ever wanted right which already kind of touched on this right which was on the album when we fall asleep where do we go <laughs> weirdly enough yes because that was in reference to her previous album and winning uh, best new artist yeah so so yeah, uh, we'll see what this is, but more Billy music. I'm sure a lot of people are very happy. So, Well, I mean, last week we talked about new music from our favorite artists uh, coming out at the end of the year. <laughs> but oh, yeah. hey, equal, equal opportunity here. So yeah. Billy Eilish fans, you got new music coming out. I guess we have to listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure we will. But we'll get there. We'll get there in July. We'll get there when we get there. All right, moving right along in music news, we've got a bit of a Britney update. It's our new recurring segment here on the Media Boat Podcast. Your Where, Britney the update. Drop of it's Britney, bitch. Yeah, right. Drop. We don't have a soundboard. Someday. Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> hey, another one of things we'll get there too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, after years of silence, Britney Spears will speak to the probate court in June regarding her long-standing legal conservatorship. At the hearing on Tuesday, a Los Angeles Superior Court Judge, Brenda Penny, scheduled a hearing on June 23rd to allow Spears to speak on the, quote, status of the conservatorship. Samuel Ingram, the probate attorney appointed to represent Spears in the case, asked the court to set the date on an expedited basis, but did not indicate what Spears would say. So we got a potential date here. Yeah. Mark it on your calendars, people. June 23rd, Britney Spears will speak. So, yeah, this is a big deal. If you watch that documentary, 
it's said multiple times that she has not been able to speak in court on her own behalf. This will be the first time she'll be able to do so. Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how she approaches this. Um, I would not be surprised if she kind of hedges her bets here and she does talk about like it not being the worst situation and she does try to not completely throw her father under the bus. That's my guess uh, because she seems like a genuinely nice person that doesn't want to burn a bridge with her family. That being said, this is also her opportunity to make a firm case for herself and be like, but I would really prefer it if it wasn't like this, it was, this is her chance to really speak for herself in a narrative that has so far just been other people speaking for her. So the best case scenario is that she comes out and says, what my dad did over the past 10 years was good, mm -hmm. but, but here's how I have improved over those same 10 years mm -hmm. and have a better grasp on my life now. Of course, I could be completely wrong. Maybe she is willing to throw her dad under the bus and maybe she just tells like the most brutal, honest truth ever. Who knows? I could be totally wrong. And if that happens, that will be our story of the year. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> That'd be like televised court like stuff that we haven't seen since like OJ. Jackson like, yeah, or like <laughs> the Michael Jackson stuff. Like that'd be crazy. But hey, we'll get there. Also, no idea whether or not this will be accessible to people outside of that courtroom, right? We don't know if this is going to be recorded. So we'll see. That being said, even though there won't be any cameras indoors. Potentially, we don't know. There will for sure be some type of press conference probably set up. Maybe. By one of the lawyers to say what was said and say their piece, no matter what happens. Some sort of follow-up will take place at maybe yes. at some point. So we'll mark it on the calendars and um, circle back to know. this in Two months' time. Two months. All right. Speaking of two months, uh, has it been that long since Eric Church put out an album? No, longer. But, well, no, it's actually been only a week. Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> tell me about the second, or I should say third, um, in a series of albums that he's released. <laughs> so, last week we talked about Heart. Yeah. Well, this week we're talking about the a tangential partner to heart, which is soul. Disney Pixar soul. Yes. No, <laughs> no. wait, hold on. No. Academy Award winning soul by Eric Church. No, that's <laughs> not right either. No. Mm -mm. That's John Um The soul as in heart and soul. Yes. Yeah. Which you can't listen to the and, percent <laughs> and, unless right. you buy the vinyl record. <laughs> right. Which but here is, is currently backstocked until September, so good luck uh, getting it. <laughs> okay, well, so let's skip to Soul then. Tell me about Eric Church's Soul. It is exactly what you think when you think of Soul, soul for, by Eric Church. Okay. Blues rock album. Okay. And more or less, that's kind of what it is here. You got a lot of, pardon the pun, but soul vibes. So, Which is exactly, I assume, what he's going for. Sure. A lot of blues rock in the beginning. It's very easy to listen to, more so than Heart. But it is also a good companion piece to Heart. Mm -hmm. I don't. I see why he split it up, but at the same time, he didn't need to split this up. <laughs> because they both play off each other in a very nice ebb and flow kind of way. I think I prefer the songs on Heart compared to the songs on Soul. Okay. But 
in terms of a complete album or recording session uh, that Eric Church wants to put out, mm-hmm. they work nice hand in hand. Yeah. As I said last week, if you'd like Eric Church, know what you're getting yourself into already. Right. A lot of this, it doesn't change between heart and soul. Mm-hmm. A lot of it doesn't change between heart and soul. <laughs> it just sounds like it's just a different side of the kind of like, like the second half of what would probably in most times be released as a double album, right? Where it's like trying something different here, trying something different here, but it's all still very Eric Church. Yeah, the heart is we're trying something different that's more mainstream. The soul is I'm trying something different that's more of what I would want to mm. put out. But at the yeah. same time, it all sounds like Eric Church, which is not a bad thing when you're exactly, Eric Church. Yeah, no, not a bad thing at all. No. Um, so if you liked Heart, definitely give Soul a listen. Um, you might just automatically revert back to Heart like I did. <laughs> but but that's not to say that Soul is a bad album. Okay. There are a couple of good songs on there on Soul that I do like, but I like the songs on Heart yeah. more so. But just like Heart and Soul in most situations, they work best together. Yes, they do. Um, <laughs> I've yet to listen to this whole thing, like one after the other, yeah, or even interspacing. Uh, make a playlist. On, on yeah. random shuffles. Just, just make a playlist of both of them back to back. Try that out. Yeah, maybe I'll try it out. Yeah. But yeah, if you like Eric Church, you probably like Soul. It's, it is what it is. I'm not, there's not a whole lot to right. say because at this point, Eric Church is a well known commodity. Either you like him or you don't, especially in the country music scene. Sure. So yeah, it's, sense. It, while it's not mind blowing, like albums a year worthy, <laughs> it's definitely good Eric Church. Then again, is there such thing as bad Eric Church? Not, not so far. Not that I yeah. can think of. All right. All right. Cool. Did you listen to anything? Nope. We can hey, move right on. Yeah, listen to the album. Give your thoughts some at some point. Too. At some point, <laughs> when something comes out, and something comes out. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, move right ahead then. Ooh, speeding through here to video games. Yeah. All right, and we start with new releases. Ooh. Hey, remember that free game that I think was on your list last year? It was. <laughs> yes. Yes. Genshin Impact? Yeah. Well, guess what? It can now be played on your brand new PS5. Hey! Yes. I think so it's it was still already, free, right? Yeah, still free. It was already playable through the uh, PS4 version, but uh, with a higher frame rate. This, though, is a PS5 native version uh, coming out this week. So if you want to have pure PS5-powered Genshin Impact, uh, go for it. One note. Your save, process, uh, your save progress will only carry over from the PS4 version. PS5 version, you cannot import saves from the PC or mobile. It's just a warning there. Even though you use the, you could use the save player code? Still does not work in between those environments. If you're on PC, you can play on mobile. If you're playing on mobile, you can play on PC. But if you're on PlayStation, that is a walled garden that you can only play on PlayStation. This sounds familiar from Sony. It does, huh? Doesn't it? It does. <laughs> but yeah, so just be warned. But um, 
yeah, so that's basically me saying I want to try the PS5 version, but I would be starting from scratch if I did. None I of would, the things I would I, not. Yeah. Not what I, I only played it on the PS4 version. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I don't recommend it, but yeah, I might check it out just to see how it runs, but it would suck to start from nothing. But now you can use those lessons that you learned and maybe apply them here. Maybe no, no, (laughs) we'll see. Anyway, anyways, uh, we also have the colonists for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and the Switch. Total War colon Rome Remastered for the PC, Insurmountable for the PC, R Type Final 2 for the (laughs) PS4, Xbox One. Switch and PC. And lastly, your big releases of the yes. week. Two big exclusives. First up, we have Returnal for the PS5. That's yes. the roguelike game where every time you die, the map switches up. But hey, yeah. you get new abilities. Yeah. So prepare to die a lot. Yeah. Basically. Or return a lot. Mm-hmm. it's eternally returning in yeah returnal returnal and the other new game is a not a remake no. not a remaster no no it is a completely new pokemon snap game that's yes. right the time has finally come for new pokemon snap on the switch by the way i have to thank you again for this <laughs> belated christmas gift yes so next week we'll have thoughts from you about pokemon snap i'll also watch christy play it she pre-ordered it so um yep. we, yeah we'll be able to talk about some pokemon snap next week so look forward to that uh if you did not pre-order it uh don't worry there's no real big bonus anywhere no no um except from gamestop which is constantly trying to get me to pre-order it even throwing <laughs> in a a free uh, two-sided poster for it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I'm like, but I don't need a poster. <laughs> <laughs> well, until we can enjoy that on our mm-hmm. Nintendo Switches, I guess I'm stuck playing old games. Like what old games on the Switch? Like a two-year-old game. That's right. <laughs> a game that came out two years ago is finally getting an update. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about Super Mario Party. Yes, that Super Mario Party from Konami. Yep. yep. So, despite over the past two years selling 13 million copies, <laughs> Nintendo has never really given Super Mario Party the post-launch support that, you know, 13 million copies <laughs> would probably deserve. You would think. Uh, it seems especially criminal considering that the game, despite being, you know, well lauded entry in the series, also suffered somewhat of a dearth of available board games for players to engage with DLC, you know, seemed inevitable. Right. Especially as the company stated a desire for DLC for their big titles earlier that same year of 2018. Yeah. When it came and. To make matters even worse, consider for a moment that in the time of the pandemic, the only way to play multiplayer for this game was to have people over. And when you stopped being able to have people over, a lot of people probably stopped playing Super Mario Party. 
Now, Super Mario Party wasn't without multiplayer because you could always do the mini games online. But you had to be, for the full experience, you had to play together on the same TV. Correct. Uh, But as time has passed, it seems that the inevitability (laughs) was presumptuous because 30 months since the launch, it would have been fair to assume that Nintendo and developer and D-Cube had simply put the game on the shelf and forgot about it. Until now! (laughs) So, Nintendo has offered an update to Super Mario Party with online play in an out-of-the-blue, absolutely nowhere unexpected (laughs) announcement. Yep. Online play supports all of the boards, I'm sorry, all four boards in the game, (laughs) and 70 mini-games, as well as the 2v2 partner mode, or team mode. I don't know why it's partner, but it's teams. Uh, It also supports the invite friend feature, being the first Nintendo published game to actually take advantage of the Switch's built-in friend invite feature. Yes, you read that correct. Nintendo had yet to put out a game that used their own online feature to invite somebody to a game until just now <laughs> right <laughs> meaning that all the time that smash brothers had been out all the time splatoon 2 had been out you had to give people codes yep <laughs> which is why people were always asking hey what's your friend code yeah what's your friend code it's brutal brutal yes um do note that the team behind super mario party was not just sitting around throwing their thumbs. No, <laughs> they were busy working on one of my games, favorite games from last year, Clubhouse Games 51. That is true, which does have online play. Yeah, it does. Weirdly I've enough. Used it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, now we can successfully play Mario Party with other people who have Mario Party as well. Yeah. Uh, I believe both of you both systems need to have Mario Party in order to be played. Yes. It's not a free-for-all. No, it's not a shared thing. Right. Uh, you have to have both have copies, but yeah. Yep. Uh, I think you, the only one that does that is currently Mario Kart, but it's only near field communication for that to work. Right, 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 right. You can't do online if you don't have the game. As far as I know, that is correct. Also, you need to buy all Nintendo Online, which is 20 bucks a year yes. to use it, this feature. Also key, yes. <laughs> Not stated anywhere, but heavily applied, seeing as it's online. Mm-hmm. All right. So, do we get to play each other? Or wait, you don't... I don't own a copy of that game. Not yet. Check <laughs> under your chair. No, that's <laughs> not how that works. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway, I'm sure... Uh, well, Nintendo games are notorious for never going down never in price. going down in price. Maybe able to find this one uh, uh, used somewhere. Who can say? Who could say? Uh, let's get into our final story of the evening. Uh, sticking with Nintendo and Monster Hunter Rise? Yeah. Well... Capcom announced, alongside the new Monster Hunter Rise title update, that the game has hit 6 million sales on Switch 
through a combination of retail shipments and regional sales. In the pantheon of total Capcom sales, this puts Monster Hunter Rise ahead, that's right, you heard me right, ahead <laughs> of Street Fighter V in total sales, and just short of Street Fighter II. <laughs> it should beat the World Warriors relatively soon, making the Switch version of Monster Hunter Rise the best-selling single-platform title in the company's history. The company being Capcom. Capcom. To be clear, this doesn't mean Rise has outsold World, which is on three platforms and thus is non-exclusive. It means the single-platform version of Rise on Switch will have outsold Street Fighter 2, colon, the World Warriors on the SNES, that's right, way back then, which itself sold 6.3 million copies. When the PC version of Rise does come out, that categorization, however, will get readjusted. But for yeah. now, Monster Hunter Rise can be considered a success for Capcom. Oh, yeah. This is, of course, in continuing the huge success that Monster Hunter World was on every platform it was released. Capcom instantly, like, immediately said after that game's release that it became the best-selling game that they've ever had. Of course, that is thanks to multiple being on multiple platforms. But what they're showing here is that even if they have a single platform for a Monster Hunter game, it still sells like hotcakes. People love Monster Hunter, and it doesn't matter which region you're in anymore. It sold really well in Japan, and now it's selling even well here in the U.S. It's a global phenomenon at this point. Every single one of these that they're putting out is selling so well that it's topping their charts. Who could have known that fighting giant monsters <laughs> would be a recipe for a success? <laughs> yeah, it also proves that Rise, unlike World, which is closer, World kind of tries to get more people in the fold and tries to be a little bit more newbie friendly. Rise kind of steps back a little, is more traditional, and yet it's still selling way faster than I'm sure that they anticipated it to be, which means it's not even reliant on the game. It's just the brand is so strong that it's going to sell no matter what. Yep. Yeah. It's quite the success story. Oh, yeah. Capcom is kind of known for being a success story itself. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, well, uh, I spent my time playing Final Fantasy VII, which you can watch streamed <laughs> on Twitch. Yes. What you can't watch, however is your experience with the show 21 because you've yet to have a stream for it yeah maybe sometime i will go around to that and i don't have a whole lot more thoughts than i did last week i just wanted to kind of do a little follow-up after spending a nice good solid week with the ps5 version of this game and with the playstation 5 as a whole um and yeah i think it's i'm settling into a groove just like i did with uh 19 where I've gotten my player, I've gotten used to the pitch timing now, and I'm just pitching smoothly through every game. So last week when we left off, I was on the double A team trying to make it to the majors. Well, at the end of the season, even though I made the all-star team, I still didn't make it to the majors. They put me up to triple A, so I'm playing for the Salt Lake Bees now. Um, but at the end of my first Bees season, 
they said, hey, do you want to uh, come hang out with the real angels at uh, spring training? And I was like, do I? So I pitched <laughs> a few spring training games and then they put me right back into the AAA when the season started. I hate when that happens. Yeah. So um, though it seems to be, it uh, seems to be that it's not necessarily that I'm not performing well enough. I think the thing is, is that they have such a stacked uh, virtual uh, starting pitcher lineup that I think that they don't need me. Um, so yeah, um, that might be the real reason why they aren't calling me up yet is what I think is that they just don't have room for me, uh, which makes sense. So unless I change which, what I am, which I don't think I'm going to, I enjoy being a starting pitcher. Um, I think that it's just going to probably t- take a while for me to get to the majors, but I'm still having fun uh, throwing pitches and I was at least able to play a few games with the, with the real, real boys. So I was not too disappointed uh but yeah it remains still a pretty good version of that game even with the minor disappointments that i talked about last week um yeah still part of me still which is that uh road to the show was as uh full featured as it used to be and the couple things that they pulled out of it to make it feel a little lifeless in comparison and the endless podcast and interview segments that happen are just really grating i've started skipping them at this point so yeah, I don't know. The, the fake interviews? <laughs> right. I've started skipping them the generic interviews. Because they're just so generic and nothing. Like there's nothing. This doesn't help me play the game. Like having somebody talk at around me the entire interview. No, it's not fun. Um so for the, the actual, lead up for the NFL draft, yeah. Commercials have been doing a lot more of those <laughs> fake interviews oh, kind of type stuff no. of talking about fake players. <laughs> uh you hate to see it. Or just generic players because they're commercials so they're applying to everybody. And it's like, yeah, yeah that's the generic soundbite you use. Ugh. Anyway, so yeah, I don't have a whole lot more to say about it. I'm still enjoying it. I will play more of it. Um, and yeah, looking forward to you eventually getting a, your hands on a on a version of this game and giving it a spin. Yep. We'll be doing that soon. Right. Uh, but we'll be doing that after the podcast here. Because Which is? I think we're done here. Done now. So yes, thank you right. for joining us for this week's away. Of the Media Boat Podcast. I will plug away. We'll be back next week for another episode. And if you want to see that in video form, you can do that and this week's as well, as well as an archive of our old ones. You can do so on our YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com, search Media Boat Podcast, find our page, like, subscribe, click the bell for notifications, the whole shamil. You can also find us in audio form on podcast services such as apple Podcasts, google play iHeartRadio, spotify amazon wherever you get your podcast we're there just search media boat podcast you can also find our archive of shows on mediaboatpodcast.com you can also also find us on social media channels like twitter on twitter our handle is at mediaboatcast facebook search media boat podcast you'll find our page you can comment there as well and if you have any questions, comments, feedback that you want to give the show, please email us at, at mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com. That'll do it. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. We'll have Pokemon Snap Thoughts uh, and all sorts of other surprises that we don't even know about yet. So tune in. Yep, we'll have thoughts on Pokemon Snap. We'll have thoughts on probably Keenan and Young Rock as those should be ending, our yep. season ending thoughts on that. Yeah. And anything else that we uh, are tingling into. 
Yes, tingling into. We love to tingle into things here. I mean, every now and then I, <laughs> I fall into new stuff that just randomly pops up. It's true. Who knows what we could be talking about next week. So that's why you watch the show. Stay tuned. Surprises. All right. See you guys. All right. Bye. <laughs>